0: You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 95. Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. So I'm starting another new segment this week that is focused on those who create physical retail experiences. Retail has seen so many shifts over the decades, and it seems like we're seeing cool new concepts coming through, and they're opening up right alongside the more traditional retailers. Today's guest is Rosa Ng, and her business falls under the less traditional umbrella— She is the owner and operator of Young and Able, which is both an e-commerce and pop-up retail experience full of carefully curated items. In the interview, Rosa talks about the many facets of her brand and why she chose to build a platform for the creative community instead of diving into her planned career in fashion design right after graduation. She also talks about the importance of testing ideas, how she manages her pop-up shops, which are really one part event and one part retail shop and why she believes in setting realistic goals in just about everything she does. This is the second time I have talked with Rosa, the first being an unplanned meeting at a flea market in New York last year. And once again, I was left just really impressed with how she runs her brand and her business. She is someone I think we could all learn a great deal from. So let's get to the show. Okay, Rosa. So we had a chance to meet at the Phoenicia Flea last summer in for those listening who don't know what the Phoenicia Flea is, it's this amazing like market with it's curated with like different makers and artisans and all of that. And it's in the Catskills. And so it was really cool to just chat with you for a little bit and hear more about your shop, Young and Able. And so for those listening, will you give us just a little bit of background on the shop and how it came to be?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so Young & is an online store and seasonal pop-up store that highlights emerging designers and makers. And I try to find ways to tell their story through different channels, like either Q&A, um, designer maker series, video content, or um, or offline events. And so I really do believe in connecting our designers and the local community through a multi-channel offline and online approach. And I started this about two and a half years ago um and i it was really deciding between starting my own line of clothing or doing something that or starting something else and a lot of my friends that kind of went that route and started their own creative businesses. I remember just meeting with them and really inspired by what they decided to do um and they were making amazing products, but a lot of them, I think, they have the support from their friends and family, really loving what they're doing, but they weren't really growing further than that. And so I was really inspired by what they were creating, and just felt that there was a need of another platform to help them showcase. Because for me, I really do really, believe like there's tons of, there's always going to be tons of designers out there, and there will never be enough platform to tell the story and highlight the designers because every shop owner has a different curation, have a different way of seeing how to put these products together. So I think even if we're all featuring similar artists, I think the storytelling aspect of it will be different.
0: Right. And you do such a good job with the storytelling aspect. I think, I mean, even just in person, you know, you were at the Phoenicia Flea, like I said, and you were able to just talk about all of the stuff that you had on the table and who made it and why they made it and the story behind their brand too, which is really, really interesting. And so, you know, I kind of want to go back to, I guess your brand just a little bit, because, you know, I want to know about your professional background. You mentioned that you you were deciding, you were kind of like had that fork in the road, you know, do you go into fashion design, which was what your educational background was in, right? And so I'm curious, how how did that shift happen? Was it a true fork in the road where you just had to make a choice or was it a little bit more gradual how did that shift happen for you
1: yeah so like you said i um, went to fit in new york and got a fashion design background i always wanted to be a fashion designer actually and i have no retail experience at all like i i hate folding clothes so like when i was like younger i would like never take a retail job um, and so i feel like i the type of person that really follows my heart like I know what I want to do Um, when I'm really passionate about something I feel like I have to like try it out and see if it's something that works out Um, really like get it out of my system and so when I was going to school I I knew early on that I didn't want to graduate and get a full-time job in fashion I knew that I wanted to kind of be able to kind of work in different companies and test it out before I really com- commit to doing something full-time. So what I did was I did a lot of freelance work and I love that um, lifestyle. I love being able to just jump right in when the company really needs me and helping them get through the season. And it gives me a really good cleanse of um, if I fit in, if I like the company culture and the work that they do, if I really believe in what they do. And so I feel like the more, when I graduate, the more I did that freelance work, the more burnt out I was within the fashion, fashion industry. And the slowly I kind of stepped away from it and realized that, you know, like this isn't something I want to do. And I don't think I, I still love designing. I still love clothing, but I think for a career choice, I think I just don't really it doesn't fulfill me um creatively okay and so when I was really um it's, it's kind of a, a eight pre love story I think I was really burnt out within just like freelancing because I would freelance full-time and I would work these like 80 hours a week really intense um jobs and I got really burnt out and I decided to take a break and I like went to India for like three months and I it was within that um period that I did a workshop in Jaipur learning how to um, block print on textile, oh, sure. and I just I just remember like that feeling. I still clearly remember that feeling of me being there, working with the artisan, um, the the act of creating. I was like, oh my god, this is what I want to be doing when I'm in New York. Like this feeling that I have, like I need to like try to recreate this. So I, I remember from my trip, I already told myself, okay, when I get back to New York, like you gotta just stop freelancing and really. Um, listen to yourself and like see where you want to go um, and like pursue your dream or whatever you want to do it didn't matter what it was I just knew that it was I just need to do something that gives me that joy of you know like I'm really happy and creating and loving what I'm doing and so when I got back to New York um, I knew I want I needed to like start my own business and so it was kind of during that time when I was trying to figure it out and I think the easier route was for me to just start my own line. Um, and I do. I specialize in uh, in knitwear, so I have my own machines at home. I could have just started something really small, um, but I just felt like financially for a fashion brand, it's a lot of money that you have to put in. And I just really again feel like just talking to my friends who already started their line, and just the amount of makers I was meeting, I just felt like the money I was going to put in, I might also put it in within a platform that can benefit within the whole community. I just felt like that was better investment for me, and if I were to really decide to launch a line, I could just easily launch through my platform. And so that's how I decided to kind of instead of starting holding off of what I starting a line of my own and just kind of build a community first, that I can eventually do something of my of my own if I still want to.
0: Right, which is so um, strategic, I think, and and smart uh, to think about because so many people who are doing their own thing think, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing. And it's just going to be me. And I'm going to be this solopreneur, which I I was talking with somebody else, uh, not like, I think it was yesterday (laughs) about the kind of the myth behind the solopreneur. Like you're never really doing things alone. You know, you have maybe people with helping you with accounting or other things in your life, um, and your business. So, Uh, so often we think it's just gotta be this small thing first, whereas you decided to create something that was kind of bigger than just you first and building the platform. And, you know, I want to talk about the platform a little bit because you do have the storytelling aspect. You have the e-commerce aspect, you know, people can buy things. Um, but this, you know, little segment I'm doing is actually focused on those who create physical retail experiences, which is something you also do. So, you know, if you go to your website, it looks, you know, like the storytelling and the e-commerce side kind of is prominent, but I want to talk about the pop-up shop. So what was it that made you decide to add kind of that brick and mortar shopping experience into your larger like business mix?
1: I knew early on, I think when I started young and able and doing the development of it. I think it was three years back. and I think just retail in general the past like five to seven years has changed a lot, and I think we went from um brick and mortar is dead, like no one should have any stores anymore to oh, we should just only be online and online is really growing, and now we're going back to oh no, it's like, wait, brick and mortar is back, you gotta have both now. So it's kind of it's been kind of going through this different stages and I think when I was researching doing an online platform um, I was really interested in this pop-up model where I I wasn't interested in being a store owner running a shop like I am still not interested in that and that's why I still just do really smaller pop-ups but I really like the idea of being able to create an experience um, in a short amount of time and really utilizing Um, the area the time that you're popping up um, and meeting new designers and all of that into um, a shopping experience and so I when I started I knew that was one element that I needed to do and I definitely didn't know I was doing like how much work it is to produce a Mm -hmm. pop-up I think I was more thinking about different offline experiences and events and so within my first year I launched in Jan officially launched in January, 2014, um, but I didn't want to miss the holiday season of holiday, 2013. So I did a quick soft launch during that holiday season just to see, just to like really give myself like, all right, is this going to, like, am I going to sell anything? Like there is, there's no point of doing this if I can't even sell anything online. Right. And so I, I launched in a holiday season um, and it went really well. And I think I, I learned a lot from that. And in January, when I officially launched the shop, I did a opening party um, in the West Village just over the weekend. Something super quick showcasing the designers I brought on already. And I think it was during that time um, at the pop up where I was. Really like engaging with the customer, everyone, the friends and family that came, and just seeing the response and see how they react to the product. And I think from then on, I was like, all right, this is definitely something that I need to continue doing. Uh, I think people really do enjoy seeing the products, um, you know, in person and touching and feeling, and, and really like trying, to you know, trying the clothes on and just seeing like how heavy like a ceramic mug is, like something that you just can't see through the pictures online. Um, and so through the first year, I kind of just continue developing it and i knew that like i wanted to do an, a big holiday shop um at the end of my first year of business and throughout then i kind of tested out different events model i've done like trunk shows i i did like a summer ping pong party with like two of my designers just to see like what works and what didn't and just again like for me to start collecting build, building that community aspect of young and able and starting collecting emails and all of that and so that's how i started and i it is still like my favorite part of the business, like planning all the offline stuff.
0: Right. And it's so interesting, you know, and you, you sort of hit the nail on the head because the pop-up experience when it comes to retail is really like 50% event, right? So it's like 50% retail, 50% event, because you are doing things in a limited amount of time. Um, you you have sort of constraints, I guess, that wouldn't be present in a regular retail storefront. And so can you talk about the process behind running? Like, let's talk about, you have a holiday one coming up, right? So, um, so what, what is the process like for you to actually do it? Like step one, how does it yeah, work? Yeah, no, definitely.
1: <laughs> um, I'm definitely in holiday mode year round. Like I'll wrap one up and I'll be like, all right, what are we doing for next year? So I like to plan ahead. Like, like, I need at least six months to even, like, do anything. Um, again, like, I think because I am producing all of this on my own, so I do need to have a lot more time. Like, I think it might be a little different if I have a whole team of people working with me. Um, and so let's, so if I were to tell you how I planned this year's, um, I started probably in April um, developing the idea. I try to always have a theme within each pop-up, because I think it just an edit element to it, um, and also helps you edit down um, the designers that you carry. So it really helps curate the shop. And so, for example, this year I'm featuring um, just women in design based in New York. And so it doesn't have to be. Um, just a solo women founder, it can be, you can have your partner to be a male. It doesn't really matter. But um, the theme is just, you just have to be a female business owner is based in New York. Um, And then once I figure out my theme, then I start really sourcing out a space. Uh, And this year, I'm lucky because I decided to use the same space that I host my last pop-up. And the reason for me is I really wanted to do the same location so I can really run some number and um, test and do some data afterwards to really see if, you know, um, the location is good. Like, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what category categories, um, did well. It also helps with like me planning for this year's holiday Papa. Cause I feel like I already had experience within that shop. So I know what, what days and like, which, like, you know, which weekend day is, um, busier or not. So it really helps me to, um, um, when I plan staffing and all that it really helps. And so once I pick the theme, I try to find a pop-up space already to see what the availability is and then find out what the cost is. And then the next thing, then I do like a full-out budget of how much it's going to cost me to produce this. Um, And so the space is definitely like a huge cost. Um, And then on top of it, then I try to put in every single thing that I can think of, think of. So like, you know, as, as simple as like, all right, when I do have the opening party, all right, going to have to buy plastic cups and I want to make sure that like, I budget that in and little things like me wrapping up the pop-up shop when I spend the time to pay out all the designers, you know, that takes me a good like chunk of time. So I want to make sure I budget that time I spent um, finishing that and calculating, um, putting in my time meeting with the designer. So I think there's a lot of things within the budget that I've learned the past like two years doing it that I started putting in. Like I need to start putting in the time that I put in to produce these pop up So then it's really, it's a true budget. Um, and then I find out what the final number is and then I kind of work backward and then, Find, um an source enough designers to help me kind of cover the cost of the pop-up Got it. um so yeah so I it, I do a really interesting model I think um and I think people are starting to do that model where um they charge the designers to participate um, and then um, and then I run a shop and but I, I don't think everyone can do it to be honest I think a, a, takes a lot of or like, you need to be super organized and to convince the designers to sign up for something like this is it's quite hard I think it's, it's a very non-traditional model um, but it's really the only way I can even do a pop-up like this so I try to at least gather enough funds to cover the from the designers to cover the cost of the pop up to rent the space
0: right right which is again it's smart because you need that almost uh, startup capital, if you will. You need the money up front um, to rent the space. That's just normal. <laughs> and Yeah, so, and, it, and it's
1: hard because it's always never enough, and that's kind of the problem. I feel like um, I'm still trying to refine it. I think it's really hard to just have a general cost for the designer because everyone has very different categories. So, like, jewelry always does so well, but versus a card designer, you know, like, every card – you sell that's five dollars the designer only makes you know they take 250 and so it's the you know like stationery is like a, a one of the categories i still can't figure out where it's beneficial for the designers and for me to make it worth it right um so it's, it's just i think it's hard to really benefit everyone you want to please everyone you want to make it so it's really worth it for everyone but in some cases you just can't um so it really depends like I designer who sign on you know it's it's, the model isn't for everyone and so it's I but I love doing it because it really helps me like introduce me to like a new um, range of designers that I would never met otherwise and so once I decide the amount that I'm going to charge the designers then I go and like do tons of research of like new brands I mean I already have a list of like the designers and makers and I'm always updating that list but I I try to always kind of do a reach out like a month before I even launch the open call that I do and so I will do research and then I will individually email everyone (laughs) to tell them about this year's pop-up shop to get people to really, um, spread the word and apply. And so I think this year I launched an open call around August and I give them a month to apply. And it's a super simple application where they just submit their line sheet, their bio and like, um, um, and like what products they want to sell. And then once I close the application, then I kind of go through the list and see who fits in and start reading people out and then I have an end number of, like, around, like, the sweet spot of, like, how many designers I need to make it so that I can produce the pop-up.
0: Gotcha. And with
1: it, yeah, and then within that month of application, I usually try to, um, do a, a, pitch night where designers can come to my office and, like, pitch me the products, because I think, again, like, sometimes, like, seeing, after seeing, like, 50 applicants of just like jewelry I think they all look the same at the end and so it's really helpful um in like categories like jewelry for you to like come and actually show me the products in person and tell me your story and and like I love that part of like interacting like hearing your story so like I get like super excited during pitch night and I feel like once I see your products and I like it then you're like instantly like in when it first you just submit something online it's definitely not as impactful Right, and so I really do try to like have that also offline experience for designers to um, be able to partake in, and I think like it's a really good practice for them too to be in front of people and pitching and just sharing their story.
0: Totally, yeah, that's it is yeah. super smart. Um, and do you have the same kind of process for online as well? So for the e-commerce side, is or is it different?
1: It's very different. Um, I feel like I definitely do a lot more effort when I come to when it comes to the pop up, just because it is holiday season. It's like when I, you know, like sell the most. I really do want to make sure everything is planned accordingly. Um, online, I what I usually do is um, designers email me their line sheet, and if it's something that I like, then I would continue the conversation. Um, but I think it's just I think the busier I get, the more of those emails I like, don't get to answer, um, and I think. I do carry on a lot of designers that participate in my pop-up mm-hmm. um, because I get to see what sells and what doesn't and what customers respond to so I think definitely for the ones the designers that do really well during the pop- up I like to kind of continue that relationship the the next year forward
0: yeah and then yeah. so with the pop-up itself, how do people so you know you've gone through sort of like the nuts and bolts of how you you kind of are able to produce it. So what about like for the shopper, like how do they find out about it? Um, you know, what's that process like trying to get the word out?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I do believe in like a collective promoting kind of thing. So I encourage all my designers that they need to kind of help spread the word. Um, I try to kind of create all the, the graphics and creatives that, they need for in order for them to promote. So like I'll make them a graphic for Instagram, all of that. So making it super easy for them to just share a post. And so we definitely have our designers writing the word. Um, we always go, we always do like a Facebook event page and we do the traditional like PR reach out and sending press releases about our opening party, when the shop is going to be and hoping that, I mean, that's never guarantees but we hope that people will pick it up and talk about it. I think like we always get mentioned on like Rack New York or like one of the holiday market you must check out. And I think that a lot of people do come through um, after reading that, um, our Instagram all the social media channel, we're just trying to really um, put it out there so then people know about it. Um, and I feel like we do have a pretty strong, just because I've been doing the pop-up within the same neighborhood. And so I do have customers who just come in, just walking by and they are like, oh my God, I think I know what this is. Like, it's just a young and able pop up. And it's just like, it feels amazing. Cause I think they don't really follow me on social media. They just like walk by and they just recognize our aesthetic and brand. And it's just really great to see like repeating customer that way too. Yeah. Like um, you
0: and, have regulars yeah. Even though it's a pop up, that's pretty special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's like, cause I'm there at the, I'm like the, the sales, the full-time sales girl there. I have the pop up. And so for me, it's really rewarding when I do, see the customer, um, that I've seen before. Uh, and then, and that's the reason why actually you saw me in like Venetia Flea last year. Like I was doing a lot of promotion upstate, um, throughout the summer, and like fall season, because I know all the New Yorkers, like we travel upstate, we get out of the city, we always, whenever we can, we try to get out of the city. And so for me, like it was really great promotion for um, anything I do in the city. So I remember I like for Thanksgiving, I was upstate in Hudson doing the Basilica market. And like the reason why I did it was even though I was so crazy prepping the pop up, I was like, no, like I need to do it because I need to like hand out postcards for the holiday pop up. And I remember like people coming through that I met upstate that came because they grabbed a postcard. and remember about it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's all matters. You know, it's all connected. Like think of this interview right now. Like,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I
0: found out about you. I don't remember how, but it was, I, I must've read an article or something. So it was when you kind of first started. And then when I saw you there at, at Phoenicia Flea, I was like, no way. <laughs> Cause I did, I recognized <laughs> the brand, you know? And so, um, so that was super cool. And then just kind of hearing more about it, yeah, it's it all matters.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I feel like the like all the it's hard because sometimes it's really hard to to gauge like what what's worth it and what's not worth it and what works and what doesn't. And like at the end of the day, like you just have to test it out. And I think like the Phoenicia Flea was really great. I I love the vibe. Um and I just feel like even though like I couldn't have done it though if my like my boyfriend's family's from Albany. So I think all the Phoenicia Flea it was within like an hour, an hour and a half drive and so like I was able to do it because I had a place to stay. Like I don't know if I would have done it if I had to drive back and forth each time.
0: Oh, that's true. And so
1: I think it really depends and I think like, uh, I, like I didn't do any of it last uh, this year, for example. You know, because I felt like it was really worth it last year. I kind of wanted to test something out this year. So what I did instead this year, during that um, summer um, fall season, I opened a pop-up store upstate instead and see uh, and see how that goes. And how that Amazing. I you know I was commuting a bit um, for the first three months, and I, I thought I w- I would enjoy it, but I hated it commuting that like. Like the train ride, an hour and a half, um, and it's a beautiful train ride. But I think when I really calculated the total time, I was, you know, from door to door, it was, um, like five hours. Oh my goodness! Just because my store was like half an hour walk, and just like I just like blew my mind. I think just like I couldn't get out, get it out of like mentally, like how much time of the day it took. You know it took me and so I feel like I. the more I did I was like the more I was dreading it but like it was a really good experience um again like everyone goes upstate um during the summertime I just felt like on the weekends like I was I was meeting people that I would meet in the city but it was just nice to take it out of context like people had no idea that I was a Brooklyn based company you know so but it's nice to see that because they still appreciate that sense of um all the products and all of that yeah
0: yeah, it's super interesting what you what you're doing and I I think it's cool to see how you're doing it because um you know, even if we're talking, you know, if somebody's listening and they're not an e-commerce or a or a pop-up retailer, you know, um I still think that the basic themes of like trying things out and seeing what works and then maybe repeating certain things and not repeating others, you know, Um, and taking into account what happens in your real life, like, I don't know, spending five hours a day commuting, is that really feasible for you, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's super interesting. So I appreciate you kind of being really open about that process. You know, I'm curious, we've talked a lot about Young and Able, and you talked in the beginning about the potential potential to use this platform for design projects, so I'm curious, are you designing anything right now, or do you even have time to design anything right now? Um,
1: I try. I don't have time, but I try to find time for it. Um, I again, like I have, I don't make any clothes. I actually don't enjoy making clothes. Um, I, I think I'm more into. I'm really into textile design. So I I like the process of developing textiles. And so what I've gotten really interested in is weaving. Um, And it's really through like one of the workshops that I've done. Like um, we do designer workshops and that's one way of me being, getting, getting my creative uh, creativity out. It's just like participating in the workshops that we host. Um, And so like that's one time that I can, you know, be hands-on and doing something that's not business related Um, another thing is I really do try to find that time of even like I mean my friends make fun of me because I was trying to finish a weaving and I was doing tons of color blocking and it took me probably like five to six months to finish it Mm -hmm. but I would work on it maybe like I'll literally just spend like even three minutes of one day just to like do a little section and like that'll be like one little creative thing that I did but it's just, it was at that point where I was like, I just need to sit down for like half a day and just finish it because it took so long. But it was definitely I do try to have that little bits of creativity um, um, into my schedule. Right. Um, and then I think, I also think that like, for me, like planning the different events, the business side of it, it's actually very creative for me, just because I feel like I am still, telling the thing I'm learning is really interesting. I'm always trying to think of new ways of doing things and thinking outside of the box. So for me, actually, like that's very, um, um, really fun and like creative for me to think of new things and so new marketing, things to do, um, new partnerships that we can work on or whatever it is. Um, and then I do do a lot of side things uh, um, aside from like young and able. So like I've been teaching a machine knitting class at Parsons and for me, just interacting with the the students, again, is like very creative for me, something new and different. And I think it uses a different side of my brain that I don't usually tap into. So I feel like just little things, I think um, I do a lot of things. Um, creatively but not not necessarily means I'm like hands-on like I'm knitting away or I'm making a product
0: yeah yeah no I I got I guess I get what you're saying and you know you talked about your classes just a little bit um, because that's another thing that you offer through Young and Able which is really cool so you have correct me if I'm wrong but you have other designers come in do you teach the classes as well
1: um, I don't. I invite the designers I work with and have um, teachers specialized skills that they, they offer. So actually, I share a studio with a all-natural skincare brand called Palermo Body. And so we will work together and develop a curriculum. So for for her, she's been teaching an orga- organic soap-making class that we do in the studio. And then we're doing a new one where we're going to do a body scrub class. And so it's really tapping into what the designer do best and how we can translate what they make as a product into a skills that people can be really hands on and learn a little bit about the process. And I think like, like for soap, for example, like every, it takes about four weeks for it to cure. So I think everyone forgets that like, Oh wait, like even though you're walking away with the bar of a pound of soap, you can't use it until a month from now and it's like that little details you don't know until you've taken the class so I feel like it automatically changes your the way you look at soap right the next time you go shopping for that or we've done like ceramic ceramic classes and it looks very easy but I think once you start really hand building and all of that and when you when you get that mug back after we fire it you'll see like oh oh my god like this is not perfect like oh why does this (laughs) happen you know it's like little things that I think like you forget when you see one of the designers who's been doing it for years have when they produce a product it looks so perfect and they just make it look so easy when it's really the years of training that they have um, and so I think these workshops really helps like opening up like the consumer's mind and it's a good way for them to really understand the process um, get to know the designer uh, hands-on and for them to really like be creative i think people are just wanting to be creative and be hands-on and doing things other than you know like what they do in their daily full-time job
0: right i totally agree with that i think we could all um learn a little bit from all the creative people out there so um you know for those listening you know like i said there are a lot of different types of you know business owners and and people listening. So some of them may be considering a physical location. So whether that's a retail storefront or like a temporary one, like a pop-up, like what you have Mm -hmm. or an office. And so, you know, what advice would you offer up to those who are kind of considering maybe thinking just a little bit bigger than what they're thinking right now?
1: Yeah. Um, it really depends. I think, First of all, I think an office versus like a physical space would be uh, very different if you were to, let's just say you're working from home right now and you're ready to grow your business. I highly recommend um, finding someone that has really good natural lighting. <laughs> like my office has no windows. so oh, I feel no. like I'm always struggling when I'm trying to like do an Instagram post, you know. It's, it's that, that little thing that like, you know, would really help <laughs> if I had to some like windows. Um, and so I feel like for someone that's, you know, like, always taking pictures and always on, like, social media, I feel like natural lighting would help a lot. Not just that, um, but, like,
0: making you happy because you can see the sun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, I think, I, I never know what time it is, so, like, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it's also beneficial for, like, I feel like if I had windows now, I'll just be distracted, just like, looking out all the time. Yeah, that's true, but, too. And then for physical spaces, I always... It's actually a question that everyone uh, that comes up a lot. Uh, I think what people should decide on really like, why are you doing this? What made you decide to do this? And what are your goals? Like, what's going to make you um, call whatever you're doing uh, successful? Is it because I think most people immediately their first answer would be, oh, I just want to sell my products. Then I, I feel like if that's your first response, you're not ready to do a physical space yet. Because you have to, you know, in order for you to do a physical space, I feel like you need to know your demographic. You need to know, like, um, like where are your customers, you know? And are you testing out a new product? Are you are you just trying to get new customers? There's so much stuff, I think, that goes along with just selling. Because a lot of time you just can't count on sales. Um, and so I think people really need to decide on kind of the goals that they want to get out of the pop-up aside from making sales. Um, and then really like if they are financially able to do this sort of thing, because having a retail, especially in like a metropolitan city, like it's really expensive. Like, like for my holiday pop-up for like three weeks, it cost me like 50 K. Like that's how ridiculous it is. You know, I'm just like, you know, and that, and that's why I have to run a model that I run because I don't like to take that financial risk, like all of it, you know? And so I think. And not even just like having the money to pay rent. I think you need to have a really good sales staff, a really strong team that can help you push the products. And I think that's really important. Um, And then also obviously finding the right team to like help and really believes in a product and supports. And I think that's going to make a really big difference. Um, And like cases like that, I feel like you, you really know, like, I I've gone to like tons of markets and I feel like the, designers that do really well at, like, a craft show. They're the ones that are hustling, talking to everyone. You know, they're not the ones that are on their phone. They're just sitting down and just kind of nodding when someone passes by, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of think of it that way when you're running a shop. Like, you need to be out there also, like, using the time that you have, that space, and making the best out of it. And so that's why, like, another reason why, like, I plan so many events. I try to cramp everything within the three weeks that I'm popping up because, I'm paying so much for it. I might as well use every single minute of it. And that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah, you're maximizing it. So, you know, I, I just want to kind of follow up a little bit. So you, you mentioned kind of taking into account what success might look like. And that could obviously be applicable to anyone who's listening. So how do you measure success? If it's not just, you know, dollars and cents, what else do you look at? Do you look at like number of people through the door? Do you look at how many... Designers you get to meet, like how, how do you kind of measure success if it's not just at the bottom line?
1: Yeah, um, it could be again it also I think based off like what your goals are. So if you want to grow your customer base, then I want to make sure then you're collecting emails. Right? So I think you would have a like, I wanna have an additional, like, one, like a thousand emails by the end of my pop-up, then that's kind of one of the goals. And I, I will plan things around it where I can collect these emails or if it's just getting a lot of people coming through and getting a lot of foot traffic, then I would have a goal in mind and then make sure that you have sales staff like out the door, like greeting people and bringing them in. So I think you can't just, ha- you need to have really realistic goals. Um, make sure that you can reach those because if you don't, if you don't have enough sales staff, like, you can't just sit in the store like no one's gonna come in. And so I think just setting those goals and making sure that those are realistic and it matches like what you are trying to achieve, um, then that'll be really. Um, it'll be more reward. It's gonna be really rewarding because you just can't count on sales. Yeah, yeah, it's good yeah. advice, man. Good advice. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, it's like little like little things. Like I'm always trying to figure out how I can like you know um, share the offline experience through social media and it. I and I still feel like I struggle with it and I know people always say like yeah just do a hashtag for your events I was like uh yeah I understand that but how do I get my customer actually doing it and participating in you know so I feel like like if that's something that you're trying to like grow your Instagram followers so like you would plan that within your pop-up experience and really test out different things so then you know next time around like what didn't work and what worked so i really do think like that offline experience is the best platform to um to test out anything um if designers like i have designers that like are trying to pitch me while i'm at the pop-up store and they're like oh well i'm trying to develop new colors do you like this color or do you like this color. And I'm just like, well, why don't we just ask the customers that are in the store? And I would literally go up to a customer and be like, hey, like, this is a new brand. Um, we're just like, couldn't decide on what colors. And I would literally just ask the customer and to give, get direct feedback from them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just really, I mean, it's really dependent on what they're trying to produce, but I think just having the goals and then finding ways to achieve it. And then that would just, you know, be so then at the end of the day, you know that it, it was worth it. Right. but the amount of money that, like, you put in. Because you also, like, think about, like, I think the new model now for retail is just, you know, like, having having a store but nothing's for sale. And I think Everlane does a really good job of that. I think, like, Samsung also, their meatpacking uh, meat location, like, does a really good job. They're just trying to sell you an experience and having you try on the product and then hoping hoping that in the long run they'll convert you into a customer. Right. And so, like, think of it that way, like, imagine the think of how much money they put in to create that and then not and they're hoping that eventually it'll create a sale
0: right that's a huge yeah that's a huge upfront yeah I, I wish
1: I could do it I wish someone would just pay me to produce these things I'm like yes like let's just focus on the experience you know
0: right 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 yeah no it's it is interesting and, and retail is shifting in some really really interesting ways um you know, just kind of to wrap things up, if people wanted to, you know, if there are people in your area who want to go to the pop-up shop, can you talk about the location? Where are you located?
1: Yeah, it's on 2 Riventon Street. Uh, we're next to this really delicious ice cream shop called Um, and we're right off Bari, and so we're really close to the new museum, um, and we're, like, right next to, I think, like, the J train, and we're next to, like, all the neighborhood's. Soho and Alita and all of that. So super easy to find. Um, and we'll be open. opening party is December 8th. Uh, we're actually planning some really fun events um, that if you guys want to find out more, we'll have all the info. Um, we'll send out all those inf- information in our newsletter um, or follow us on Instagram at YoungXAble. And that's probably the best way to stay in touch with us.
0: Okay. And for all of those who maybe can't go to the pop-up, but are interested to learn more about the designers that you carry both online and off. So can they go to your website to find all of that information? Yeah.
1: Um, what I'm doing this year is actually exactly like my, like what you just said. Like I, I have, we are very New York centric, but I do have a lot of customers, you know, like everywhere. So I really do want to have them experience the offline, the pop-up that we do. And so I am actually launching everything I have, um that I'm selling at the pop-up shop online um November fifteenth. So everyone can kind of preview and kind of shop beforehand. Ooh, that's super cool. And that's yeah, at, at shopyoungandable.com. Shopyoungandabled.com. Okay. All right. Well, I will make
0: sure that we link up to everything um that we've mentioned in the show notes as well so they can find it there. So Rosa, thank you so much for your time today. It was awesome talking to you again. Yeah, thank
1: you so much.
0: that was rosa you guys i know we sort of dove right into the details but i just think it's so cool to hear how something like a pop-up shop actually takes shape as we said in the interview i will be linking up to everything we mentioned today over in the show notes at creatingyourownpath.com including the mapped location of that holiday pop-up shop that she's planning and i've got a quick note for you all i accidentally redesigned my website last weekend And by accidentally, I mean that I started messing around with some new design concepts and then I just sort of couldn't stop. The reason I'm telling you this is that I would love to know what you think. If you could go check it out at jenniferesnyder.com and then let me know what you think of the new design, I would really appreciate it. Just give me a shout on Twitter or Instagram. I am at jenniferesnyder on both platforms. That wraps it up for today. As always, thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week. We'll see you next time.
1: next time.